Good afternoon. It is past the hump day part of the day. It is Wednesday, August the 18th, 2021. My name is Keith Thews, and you are listening to Michiana Speak Out, an interactive podcast courtesy of SME Community Radio. We get a chance to talk to folks or have you call in and discuss whatever's on your mind. Just depends on what's going on for the day. But before we get on to our interviews and talk, let's go ahead and get on to the news from News Nation and other sources. I'm Sergeant Kayla Miller with Michiana Crime Stoppers. The Plymouth Police Department is investigating the disappearance of 11-month-old Mercedes Lane. Mercedes, as you can see here, is a white female, two feet tall, 19 pounds, with blonde hair and brown eyes. Mercedes was last seen with 37-year-old Justin Lee Miller on Thursday, August 12th at 9 p.m. Justin and his vehicle have been recovered and he has been arrested for neglect of a dependent, but Mercedes is still missing and believed to be in extreme danger and may need medical attention. At the request of local law enforcement, Michiana Crime Stoppers is offering a reward of up to $1,000 for any information that leads to Mercedes being found or the solving of her disappearance. You can provide anonymous tips by calling Michiana Crime Stoppers at 574-288-STOP or 800-342-STOP. You can also use our P3 app or head over to our website. Remember, it's our community. It's your call. News Nation This Hour, I'm Vic Vaughn. Health officials are urging Americans to get a COVID-19 booster shot. U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. Starting the week of September 20th, fully vaccinated adults could begin getting their booster shots eight months after their second shot of an mRNA vaccine. That means Moderna or Pfizer. Healthcare providers, nursing home residents, and other seniors will have first priority. Those who got Johnson & Johnson shot will need a booster too. Murthy says it's not yet clear when those will be ready. More Americans have been getting vaccinated so far this month. White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Jeffrey Zeitz. In the last two weeks alone, nearly 7 million Americans have rolled up their sleeves and gotten their first shot. Seven million. That's the highest two week total since the beginning of June. Says the number of 12 to 15 year olds getting vaccinated is up 75 percent over the past month. Texas Governor Greg Abbott may have infected others at a packed indoor event this week. That's from a video tweeted by the governor's re-election campaign late Monday. He tested positive for COVID-19 the next day. He's fully vaccinated, says that may be why he's not feeling any symptoms. The Secretary General of NATO's 30-nation military alliance has called an emergency meeting for this Friday on Afghanistan. In Stoltenberg says the rapid fall of the Afghan army to the Taliban shows flaws in NATO's effort to train Afghans to fight. He also blames the defeat on a failure of Afghan leadership. Tens of millions of former and prospective customers of T-Mobile had their personal information stolen in a data breach. The investigation's been ongoing since last weekend. And the AP's Rita Foley reports the breach includes names, social security numbers, and driver's license information. And also appears to have compromised the same data for millions more current T-Mobile customers. 
T-Mobile says it's closed the entry point that was used to gain access, and it will offer two years of free identity protection services. In all, data was stolen from 40 million people. And Tropical Storm Grace has officially become a Category 1 hurricane. It's expected to reach Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula later tonight. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and the News Nation Now app. I'm Vic Vaughn. The giant Christian relief agency has moved quickly in the wake of the August 14th earthquake that hammered the island nation. A transport plane loaded with doctors, nurses, and supplies has arrived in Haiti to be followed by more in coming days. Samaritan's Purse says, quote, Our DC-8 aircraft carried 31 tons of relief, including emergency shelter material, medical supplies, and water filtration units to provide clean water daily for thousands of people. Michael Harrington, SRN News. You might think that digital versions of the scriptures would be the most popular way for Americans to engage the Word of God these days, but that's not true. According to the American Bible Association's 2021 State of the Bible Report, 59% of people who read the scriptures do so the old-fashioned way, print on paper. Only amongst Generation Z, the youngest of us, does digital beat-out print 49% to 44%. Michael Harrington, SRN News. Common flower discovered to be meat-eating. This is BreakingNewsEnglish.com. Botanists have discovered a new carnivorous plant. It is the western false asphodel. This is a white flower that is relatively common along the coastline of the Pacific Northwest in the USA and on Canada's western coast. It was actually discovered in 1879, but botanists back then did not realize the innocuous-looking flower was actually a meat-eater. Researchers have recently determined that sticky tiny hairs along the bloom stem produce a digestive enzyme that other carnivorous plants use to ensnare and eat insects. Professor Sean Graham, a botanist with the University of British Columbia, told the NPR news agency, We had no idea it was carnivorous. There are fewer than 1,000 carnivorous plant species known to scientists. The western false asphodel is the first to be discovered in 20 years. Professor Graham believes there may be more carnivores among our common flora. He said, I suspect that there might be more carnivorous plants out there than we think. He believes many people will be surprised that the familiar asphodel is actually a carnivore. Co-researcher Dr. Qian Shi Lian said, What particularly unique about this carnivorous plant is that it traps insects near its insect-pollinated flowers. He added, This seems like a conflict between carnivory and pollination because you don't want to kill the insects that are helping you reproduce. This is Ken Jones reporting from Seattle. Common flower discovered to be meat-eating. This is BreakingNewsEnglish.com. Botanists have discovered a new carnivorous plant. It is the western false asphodel. This is a white flower that is relatively common along the coastline of the Pacific Northwest in the USA and on Canada's western coast. It was actually discovered in 1879, but botanists back then did not realize the innocuous-looking flower 
was actually a meat eater. Researchers have recently determined that sticky tiny hairs along the bloom stem produce a digestive enzyme that other carnivorous plants use to ensnare and eat insects. Professor Sean Graham, a botanist with the University of British Columbia, told the NPR news agency, We had no idea it was carnivorous. There are fewer than 1,000 carnivorous plant species known to scientists. The western false asphodel is the first to be discovered in 20 years. Professor Graham believes there may be more carnivores among our common flora. He said, I suspect that there might be more carnivorous plants out there than we think. He believes many people will be surprised that the familiar asphodel is actually a carnivore. Co-researcher Dr. Qian Shi Lian said, What particularly unique about this carnivorous plant is that it traps insects near its insect-pollinated flowers. He added, This seems like a conflict between carnivory and pollination, because you don't want to kill the insects that are helping you reproduce. This is Ken Jones reporting from Seattle. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I liked things to always be the same. Anything new or different would scare and upset me. I was very sensitive to lights and sounds. It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else. So I built secret hiding places where nothing could get in. I didn't like looking people in the eye. It made me feel uncomfortable. I'd throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match. Sometimes I'd do the same things over and over until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Scientists say July was hottest month ever. This is BreakingNewsEnglish.com. We hear about climate change pretty much every day now. We see pictures of floods, fires and heat waves on TV news. Scientists have just announced that July was the hottest month ever recorded. The scientists are from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, in the USA. A spokesperson from NOAA said, July is typically the world's warmest month of the year, but July 2021 outdid itself as the hottest July and hottest month ever. Noah said Earth's land and ocean surface temperature in July was 0.93 degrees Celsius higher than the 20th century average of 15.8 degrees Celsius. The Northern Hemisphere was 1.5 degrees Celsius hotter than average. The NOAA spokesperson said this new record was worrying. He said, in this case, first place is the worst place to be. The announcement from NOAA comes a week after a 4,000-page report on climate change from the United Nations. 
Its report is from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC. It clearly stated that humans had changed the climate. It wrote, It is clear that human influence has warmed the atmosphere, ocean and land. A total of 234 scientists from 66 countries worked on the report. It warns that extreme weather will continue to get worse. It says every region will experience multiple changes in weather like sweltering heat and flooding. All right, thanks so much for that news. And some of the news has been brought to you by BreakingNewsEnglish.com. We like to use some of their news stories as well. Very interesting ones, I might add. Good afternoon. Happy Wednesday. you got Keith here from Michiana Speak Out, the afternoon interactive podcast of SME Community Radio. We are your podcast station with lots of news and discussion that you would be interested in. Boy, we uh, today we had a chat, and which I'm going to be playing here a little bit in this into the show with Adam Bajowski. Uh, Adam has been sharing some sad but true uh, on the ground, boots on the ground reports on what's happening over in the transition and evacuation of our soldiers in Afghanistan. We've been sharing the stories and the videos and it's pretty sad what's going on as the country has been taken over again by the Taliban and they're harsh and very uh, extreme way of living and and religious-based discipline and and so on um, has taken back over the country after so many good years of the United States being involved in the country with the war and getting out of the war and post-peace or attempt of peace that's been happening over in Afghanistan and all the great strides that's been taken over you know in that in that country and and now with the evacuation that's happening and our pullout, how things are backpedaling and, and everybody trying just to get out of the country and, and get on to, a, a, to freedom. So we're going to be talking to Adam about that here in just a few minutes on the show. Had a great chat with him as well as uh, talking about the, uh, the council, county council for Elkhart County. So uh, look forward to that. We've been having a lot of debate, and and some of it, again, has gotten heated um, about the um, situation in Afghanistan. And I just remind all of our posters to uh, please abide by our station posting guidelines. Um, We've had some good banner, but we've also had some swearing, and that is definitely not allowed on our post on SME. So if you decide you're going to swear or you post something, please go back and, and correct that. Boy, it's sure getting a, a lot more humid out there. Um, I know the boss at work, he's like, why, why is there so much humidity? I'm like, well, we're supposed to have some uh, some bad weather today, but not like it was last week. So let's go ahead and listen to uh, the forecast today from the National Weather Service. Detailed forecast. This afternoon, isolated showers and thunderstorms, mostly sunny, with a high near 83. Calm wind, chance of precipitation is 20%. Tonight, isolated showers and thunderstorms before 9 p.m., patchy fog after 2 a.m., otherwise, partly cloudy, with a low around 66. Calm wind, 
chance of precipitation is 20%. Thursday. A 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 2 p.m., patchy fog before 10 a.m., otherwise, mostly sunny, with a high near 84. Calm wind becoming northeast around 5 mph. Thursday night. A 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 8 p.m., patchy fog after 2 a.m., otherwise, partly cloudy, with a low around 65. Calm wind. Friday. Patchy fog before 8 a.m., otherwise, sunny, with a high near 86. Calm wind becoming southeast around 5 mph in the afternoon. Friday night. Mostly clear, with a low around 66. All right, thank you so much, Nicole, for that. And uh, before we go on to the interview this afternoon with Adam Bajowski, those of you who can probably be at least my age or older know what a CB radio is. Breaker Breaker 1-9, and, and you can probably think of Smokey and the Bandit, the Dukes of Hazard, and so on. CB radios were the cell phone of its day in the 60s, 70s, and definitely 80s. Um, obviously, with the advent of cellular telephones, the old trucker radios, CB, that I used to be involved in in the, in the days of high school, are now seeming to be a thing of the past. Although, I've just been informed that they are kind of trying to make a new comeback. And as you are aware of CB Radio, Citizens Band, they're unlicensed radios, 40 channels, although some of the older models were 23, and they are... AM and, and sideband. But now, according to podcasts that I've been seeing in recent days, a proposal has gone out by Cobra, who makes CBs and FRS radios and that, to try to get FM CB radio, a new form of communication once not allowed. Now, amateur radio uses a lot of FM band for their communication, ham radio, but now the idea is to try to get it to come over to America on the CB radio band in the 26, 27 megahertz frequencies that CB uses. And so that would open up a whole new form and uh, a little more clear communication. So if we hear any more on the FM proposal given to the FCC by COBRA, we will definitely let you know. In addition to that, according to the one podcast that tipped me off about this, there is talk about GMRS radios, the little 22-channel Motorola trying to do what AM radio is doing, which is called APRS, Automated Position Reporting System. And uh, that would allow radio users, especially out in the field or mountains or whatever, to be able to through the internet and through their radios to be able to plot their positions sort of like a partial GPS system. So if somebody was to get lost, instead of, okay, I need to point my, my radio and say, well, how do I get from my place to this place? It's more like, okay, I'm going to tell the world, well, this is where Keith Hughes is at, so to speak, and in case I'm lost in the woods, someone can look up on their APRS map through Google or through a uh, positioning system and say, oh, okay, Keith is so-and-so, I know how to get to him or whoever it is. It comes really in handy in emergencies. So if we hear any more on that situation, in addition to the FM Citizens Band, we will let you know, because the podcast said that FMCB is used in 
the United Kingdom in, in England, and uh, they're trying to bring that over here and be able to sell those FMCBs. All right, when we come back, my interview with Adam, and then we'll continue on with the rest of the show. Have a good one. Stay cool. It's probably a little bit like you. There was a lot of talk about the COVID-19 vaccines. I didn't know what to believe, and I tell you, everyone has an opinion. Some of my friends got vaccinated and some were against it. But I knew this was an important decision, so I went to somebody I already trusted, my doctor. It's your call, so talk to your doctor or healthcare provider and make the decision that's right for you. You can go to GetVaccineAnswers.org for the latest information. That's GetVaccineAnswers.org, brought to you by the Ad Council. Hello, is this Adam? Yes, it is. Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to Miss Chance Speak Out. How's the connection? All right. There we go. Got you on my car now. Oh, good. Okay, great. Well, the reason I brought Adam on the show here this afternoon is because Adam has been posting some very um, sad stories, but very true stories of what's going on in Afghanistan by a gentleman named Trent. And I uh, asked him to come on the show uh, yesterday and things didn't work out. And so glad we're able to connect today. But uh, Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit more about these uh, posts that you have been sharing from Adam or sorry, from Trent and um, what you're learning today from him about what's going on in Afghanistan. Yeah. So, I mean, with everything that's going on, so Trent is somebody I met a few years ago. Um, like myself, he's an Army vet, but he is a combat veteran um, who served a few tours in Afghanistan. And the gentleman whose stories he's been sharing is somebody that was a interpreter for him while he was over there. So he'd become very close with them. Um, and years ago, the U.S. government had promised this gentleman and his family that they would get him out of Afghanistan for all the work they did. And um, that has been a slow process. And there's understandable reasons for that process being slow. But um, with a quick deterioration, uh, it's a point now where this gentleman is fearful for him and his family's lives. Uh, it's known that he did it. He did write a book with Trent. So there's a lot of information out there. Uh, and he's just one story of thousands of Afghanis who basically worked for us and did this stuff for us for a promise of protection and a better lives. And now that along with American citizens are being left there with, with the hands of uh, the new regime there in Afghanistan. Yeah, I was just blown away to be hearing how fast the Taliban's been, unfortunately, taking advantage of the transition out of Afghanistan and coming in, bringing a way of life, which is just so, you know, so very hard for the folks down there to, to make it, especially with all of the you know, success stories and, and stuff that we've made since 2001. So um, can you share a few of the stories that you have been hearing recently in the last 24 hours from Trent through his uh, interpreter and some of the other stories that you're hearing from the boots on the ground as, uh, as the evacuation continues. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's still the proud Afghanis who are still, you know, defiant towards the Taliban. So they're, they're holding you know, group settings outside of buildings. They have been attacked. And I know there's been one fatality so far um, by the Taliban threatening to break those up. Um, you know, the women's rights movements, that the U.S., I think that's one of the greatest things that we were able to do over the last 20 years is uh, make women as close to equal as we can get them over there. 
um, and they were still making strides, but women had places in government. They were in school. They were treated as people, not property. Um, and that's quickly changing where the women and the young, young girls are being taken back as property. Um, they're showing pictures where women had, you know, there was uh, ladies in wedding dresses outside shops and all that's being covered up because that goes against what the Sharia law and what the, uh, the Taliban believe. Uh, and it just all the advancements that we've made over there over the last 20 years, it just seems like a. All right. And, and so how long do you think it's going to take for the uh, troops and all the Afghanistan uh, evacuees to fully leave the country for, for safety in the States? Okay, looks like we are still waiting for Adam to reconnect. We've had some issues in the past with some of the interviews. Uh, Adams, are you there? Yeah, you there? Yes, yes, we got you okay. again. Okay. Yeah, so you know, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to get them all out, and that's what my fear is. Um, you know, that at some point we had to leave the country, but um, so I'm, I'm not against that part, but I'm against the way we did it. And the issues I have is that we are leaving so many people we promised, but there's also American citizens that are still stuck there. Um, so not only these Afghani nationals that we worked with and gave promises and commitments to, but we also have our own citizens still um, stuck over there. And, you know, some of out, the ones that are outside Kabul, there's no real plan right now to get them out. So some, I, I am fearful that some will never get out. Oh, my gosh, that's, that's just horrible. Um, so would you personally, would you make a, a good comparison that this evacuation and the images and the videos that we're seeing would be very comparable to the evacuation from Saigon in 1975 from the end of the Vietnam War? Okay, so we're waiting for Adam to reestablish his uh, connection, and then we'll pick up the last question here. There we go. Okay. Yep, there we go. Um, yeah, you know, from what I know, and what I've studied in history, I think there's a lot of similarities. Um, so to the point of, is it similar? Yes. Do I think there's also some differences? Yes. I think we, we knew a little more. I mean, this is a little more planned, um, but I think anybody in the military can tell you not all plans need to be followed. Sometimes you need to pause and stop when you start mm -hmm. to realize it's not going like you expected it to. And that's what I think happened here is I just, you know, this plan has been in place for a while. There's been different types of it. But I think the writing was on the wall that the plan was going to fail. And at some point, we, we needed to to push pause and make sure that we had the best way to make sure our people are out of there. Um, because this, this was going to happen at some point. Yeah, I understand that. Um, so do you think that the Biden administration will decide at some point in the next two weeks, if things continue to be like they have been, to take that pause and maybe give it another couple of weeks? Or they're still shooting for Labor Day? Um, the last day I saw was still shooting for August 31st. I August 31st. Still, okay. Yeah, I, I still have the utmost respect and belief that our military leaders um, and the people that are guiding Biden, I mean, a lot of these decisions, nobody has to believe that he's making these 100% on his own. He has advisors. He has leaders. Um, so I'm hoping some of those people that can get in his ear and tell him, hey, we need to slow down and maybe get a few more back over there and kind of get our people out at least. Uh, you know, I said it plenty of times in my life that we're not the world's police, but once we get involved somewhere, 
we can't just leave them and leave them high and dry, which is what I felt feel like we did here. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's just really sad what what has been happening. So we're talking to Adam Majalski uh, about the situation in Afghanistan and the posts that he's been sharing from his Facebook to our page and on his personal page from a, uh, a fellow soldier and about his interpreter. And we're talking about the rest of the transition out of Afghanistan. On a, on a happier note, first, I want to thank you for your service and for tra- for his service on behalf of us at the station. Um, before I let you go, what's the uh, latest reports on the uh, on the council here in the area? How's things going with the, with the county council? Um, things are going great. We have some... Uh... You know, it's a good place to be in when we can have the debates we're having about some potential new investments coming into the county. Um, we have lots of people from the solar field on the south end to the um, Project Winnie, as we're calling, on the north end of the county. Um, both of them are potential large, you know, $100 million-plus investments into our county. So things are looking really good here. We have people that want to come here. We have businesses that want to come here. Um, like anywhere else, our county is, we have a huge housing shortage right now. Um, and that's the biggest debate that we have to have on a lot of this stuff is how much more can we bring on um, without cannibalizing the businesses that have been here and supported us for 50, 100 plus years. Um, so it's a, good, it's a good position to be in. It's a really good position, and uh, I'm excited for everything that's going on. It seems like schools are going good. Um, the sense of normalcy we have back here, and um, our cities are thriving. The county is doing amazing, and you know, we got some hard decisions, and we're getting ready to hit budget season, so it's going to be – um, kind of interesting looking at that and look at some budgets and what the income is going to be and what our tax base has grown and uh, no, it's going good. Well, that's good to hear. That's, that's really good. Cause I mean, there's been a big transition for the positive since the, since the pandemic. I mean, even though we're dealing with the Delta and Delta plus variants coming through the area, at least we're still thriving and, and maskless and so on and so forth for the most part. Um, one more thing is I've been hearing about Dometic that's coming out of the, of the United States and out of Elkhart County, um, what some of the county government and city governments doing to aid those who are going to be out of work from Dometic and trying to find them a new work? Um, I know, and the state is normally involved a lot on that as well, the IDEC. Um, so right now, though, a lot of those positions, there's enough positions open elsewhere. So I'm hoping most of those people should be able to land on their feet. Um, and I know I do know a couple people who have already left and have actually found better paying jobs doing basically the same thing. Um, so I'm hopeful, you know, we're, we're pretty much at full employment with our unemployment numbers being so low, uh, and there's plenty of jobs to go around. So hopefully it should be an easy transition. The ones you feel for the ones who put in 20, 25 years of a career for a company like that, just to have that taken away from them. Um, so hopefully we can, we can help those, but there's a lot of good things. The EDC of Elkhart County, the chambers, there's a lot of good avenues for people who do need help finding stuff, uh, to get out there and get those only without missing much and not affecting their family's income and stuff. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for being able to do the interview and uh, being able to shuffle it around with the schedule and internet and everything. I really appreciate it. So Adam, you have a good one and thank you for your service. And we look forward to, I'll send you the link uh, to today's show as soon as it gets published. Sounds good, Keith. Thank you very much and have a great day. You too, sir. Thank you. And we'll be back. On Friday, May 30th, 1806, two men took their positions 24 feet apart at Harrison Mills on the Red River in Logan County, Kentucky. Now, dueling was illegal in their home state, Tennessee, so these men had traveled across the state line to settle their differences. 
to get satisfaction. The first man's name, Charles Dickinson. He was known as the best shot in Tennessee, but Charles also had a reputation for his drunken heroics and reckless boasting. That was why he was here. What had started out as a dispute over a horse bet had resulted in Charles insulting the other man's wife. The other man? Andrew Jackson. Our seventh president was never a man who would back away from a fight, and he too was known for insults that offended. The duelists prepared to face the consequences that their tongues had gotten them into. Are you ready? asked Jackson second. I'm ready, shouted Dickinson. I'm ready, replied Jackson. Fire! Dickinson was the quicker and fired first. The ball caught Jackson square in the chest. Jackson grabbed his chest as a puff of dust arose from his jacket, but he remained standing. Dickinson was horrified. He yelled, have I missed him? And took a step back. Back to the mark, sir. And the second pointed his gun at the dumbstruck Dickinson. Dickinson slowly returned to the mark with the realization that he was now at Jackson's mercy. He knew Jackson might fire into the air or even refuse his shot. Many a duel had been decided like this before with both men deciding that no one should die and they could come to an agreement that would save both life and honor. But Jackson had promised with his tongue to kill Dickinson and he raised his gun and pulled the trigger. The gun went click as the hammer stopped at half cock. It was a misfire. Dickinson waited. Maybe Jackson would reconsider. But Jackson pulled back the hammer again, aimed and fired. Charles Dickinson was struck just below the ribs. His friends ran over and caught him as he fell. They tried to stop the flow of blood, but the ball had passed straight through, leaving a gaping hole. Charles Dickinson bled to death at age 27. His tongue had caused his death. The next time you look at a $20 bill, remember that God's mercy is the only reason you find Andrew Jackson's picture there. Andrew Jackson's young life was filled with conflict because he could not control his tongue. He survived, but the impact was costly. You know, he lived the rest of his life with a bullet lodged beside his heart that caused severe hemorrhaging spells throughout his life. Now, hearing about this probably makes us thankful we don't live in the Wild West days. But the Apostle James will tell us in chapter 3 that nothing has changed in human history. We may not walk around with pistols, but what we're packing is no less destructive. James writes in chapter 3, starting in verse 5, so also the tongue is a small member, but it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Did you take all that in that James says? Let's divide it into categories that help us better understand our tongue. The first category would be the character of our tongue. Our tongues are microcosms, concentration points of this world's evil, 
In fact, James says it's its own world of unrighteousness. Now, our tongues may not necessarily be more wicked than any other part of our body, but our words can promote virtually every form of wickedness. Too often, evil deeds are added then to evil words. How many fights have you seen that don't involve angry words being tossed around? Before an evil deed is committed, the tongue is at work. The second category is the tongue's influence. Our uncontrolled tongues stain our whole person and set on fire the entire course of life. Some people annoy us, maybe because they're lazy or self-centered and thoughts enter our minds, but then our tongues become a release point for this anger. Does letting it loose make it go away? <laughs> no, often the tongue continues to create more evils and influence those around us all our life long. The third category, notice the tongue's allegiance. Evils of the tongue are set on fire by hell. Satan gives our tongue its destructive power. Is it any wonder our tongues create so much trouble? <sighs> Notice the boat that James leaves us in at the end. He tells us we don't have to go to SeaWorld to see that animals are tamed. Actually, it was a reality back in the first century. I mean, look at what man has done. We've tamed all kinds of beasts in this world. We can control every sort of animal, how powerful we are. But wait, wait, how powerful are you, James says. No human being, not one can tame this little piece of flesh between the jaws, as Martin Luther would say. My friends, this is a serious message. We are in danger every day, and we cannot cut out our tongues, and neither can we wear muzzle. So my encouragement for you today is that we take seriously James' words and let us learn to start our day by praying that no corrupting talk will come out of our mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 5.29 Remember who you are and who you belong to. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? My daughter started making necklaces. She makes what we call affirmation fashion. I tell her every day that your black is beautiful. Your black is beautiful. And if there's anything better than being beautiful, it's being smart. If there's anything better than being smart, it's being kind. And reaffirming that every day is our method of making sure her chin never drops. My dad wasn't around, and I remember riding a bike and falling off and cutting myself, and me never would just want to get back on it. People ask, how your children learn how to ride a bike, and you didn't. I didn't teach them. I just created an environment where they taught themselves, and all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 
Fox on Tech. Most new smartphones are durable enough to get wet or take a short trip into water without failing. You've likely seen descriptions like water resistant or waterproof to a certain depth mixed with ratings like IP67 or IP68. But what that means, and more importantly, what your smartphone can actually handle, varies. IP stands for Ingress Protection Ratings, a set of standards put in place by the International Electrotechnical Commission. The numbers are protection levels against solid objects like dust, the second for liquid, and higher numbers are better. Samsung's Galaxy S21 Ultra is IP68 rated, so it can get submerged in a meter of water for 30 minutes. Apple's iPhone 12 Pro Max, also IP68 rated, but Apple says it's safe in 6 meters of water for 30 minutes. The difference in what the devices can withstand are up to the manufacturer, as the standard provides a minimum level of protection. Before you dip, dunk, or drop your phone into liquids, be sure to read the fine print. With Fox on Tech, Brett Larson, Fox News. A lot of my friends basically went to work for the cartels right off the bat. Ed Calderon spent his career confronting Mexico's ruthless drug cartels face to face. Nightly raids on different houses and places where people were suspected of storing you know, drugs. The former paramilitary law enforcement officer was born and raised in what he calls one of the most heavily trafficked cities on the planet, Tijuana. The vehicle carrying this man, the assistant chief of Tijuana's municipal police, sits riddled with bullets. Uh, he was found probably 12 hours later uh, with his uh, ID screwed into his forehead, tortured into death, basically. You know, it scared the out of all of us. <laughs> Ed acquired a set of unique survival skills that has earned him the nickname, the Sneak Reaper. A bag of tricks that makes special operators nervous and maybe even a little jealous. In exactly two minutes, I'm gonna start putting more restraints on you. Go the f up! One of his more signature strengths is teaching people how to avoid being kidnapped or how to increase your odds if you aren't as lucky. Everybody's capable of being dangerous at any time, even if they're handcuffed, even if they're bound. What makes you dangerous is your nature. In the alchemy of violence, narcos, reapers, and survival, Ed talks about facing the real Grim Reaper. We were uh, being targeted, people had eyes on us. And explains how his brushes with true violence have changed him and how he's used that alchemy to find and help others. Listen to the complete season of Alchemy of Violence on Fox News Podcast Plus starting July 12th. Fox News Podcast Plus is our new subscriber-based offering without commercials, includes bonus content, and exclusive shows like this one, exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Visit foxnewspodcast.com. Fox on Tech. Wireless provider T-Mobile is making more moves into the home-based internet market, announcing it'll provide fiber-optic-based internet service to a handful of residential buildings in Manhattan. The new service is in addition to the fixed wireless internet service it started offering earlier this year. The fiber service from T-Mobile will offer up speeds nearing 1 gigabyte up and down, include an Eero Pro 6 Wi-Fi router, and won't require an annual contract. There aren't details on pricing.
T-Mobile won't be spending money ripping up streets and laying the fiber. Instead, it will use lines provided by Pilot Fiber, according to a release on the T-MobileFiber.com site, which also includes an availability checker for buildings in Manhattan. If your building doesn't have a connection, you can opt in for emails about service availability. When pushing regulators for approval to buy wireless provider Sprint, T-Mobile argued it would then offer competitive wireless home internet service. With Fox on Tech, Brett Larson. Fox News. Listen to be part of the conversation with me, Brian Kilmeade. I'll talk about the biggest stories of the day and get your take along with some of the biggest newsmakers around. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the podcast at briankilmeadeshow.com. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Maybe you're not sure how you'll make rent or you lost your job. When you don't know where to turn, let 211 be your guiding light. Our guides are ready to connect you with the help you need. 211, how can I help you? Call or visit 211.org. 211, get connected, get help. A message from United Way and the Ad Council. Profile America, Wednesday, August 18th. Even in this internet world, many of us still receive printed catalogs through the mail. The first such catalog, more of a flyer, was sent out by Montgomery Ward on this date in 1872, and so today is National Mail Order Catalog Day. The first catalog consisted of only one page, featuring 163 items for mail order purchase. By 1904, the Ward's catalog weighed in at 4 pounds. Montgomery Ward ceased producing its catalog in 1985, and the company itself eventually failed in the largest retail bankruptcy liquidation in American history to that time. But the home shopping business is still thriving. There are some 5,600 mail order and 31,000 electronic shopping establishments with a combined workforce of 415,000 people. You can find more facts about America from the U.S. Census Bureau online at census.gov. And this concludes our podcast afternoon for Michigan Speak Out. Thank you so much. Please share this with your friends and family and with those groups out there on Facebook that will allow our shows to be heard. I will be back tomorrow morning with our daily newscast. Reminder to you that at 4.30 this afternoon, President Biden will be speaking about the need for a third vaccine booster shot after eight months post-inoculations. Uh, in order to keep you safe from COVID-19 and the Delta and Delta Plus variants. Until then, I will talk with you guys with news tomorrow. Have a good one. See you Thursday.